Are we doing? Are we ready? You know, I think it's really important when we come to church that we don't just turn up, but we come expectant. You know, we have a desire and a hunger to hear from God. We have a, a desire and a hunger for other people to be touched by God. Otherwise, we just turn up as a club and we go home. But we're not just a club. We're a spiritual people. And, and we serve a God who is spiritual that gave his son, but also gave his spirit for each one of you. So we are spirit people. Now, we're, we obviously, we, we have a body. We're physical people, but, uh, and we have a soul. But we're spiritual people first. And if the spiritual thing isn't right first, everything else will be hard work. So I want to encourage you, when you come to church, pray for somebody. Ask Jesus, you know, speak to me this morning. Don't just come. Come with a heart that's expectant and wanting to hear from God. Is that okay? Otherwise, we'll just turn up, we up, and you'll go, this is all right, but I'm not really connecting. Don't really feel a part. But there's something inside of you that God has put there for the body, to help the body to grow. We're supposed to serve one another, not just turn up to be served. That's why when I went to the conference, the guy said to me, I want you to preach. And I'm like, I haven't come to be preached. I've just come to receive. Yeah, you, you, most of you probably do that each week in church where I have to give out and minister each week. So I thought, I'll go there and just be ministered to and be blessed. But the guy knew something more than that. And he understood he wanted to draw something more out of me. And you know what happened? I got blessed more than I would have got blessed if I had just turned up and received. Because there was a joy in me that God knew was there that I had to release. It was that deep that I felt drunk in the spirit of God. And I couldn't stand up. If you've never been there, let's go on a journey and go there. You'll never drink wine again. I'll tell you that. Once you touch what he gives, you'll never touch wine again. Because it's far greater. He goes deeper than what the world promises. Nothing wrong with wine. But I just want to encourage you. that you, there's, a, there's somewhere you can go that's far deeper and far greater that God gives you. You know, and I was blessed. I blessed people. The pastor ended up getting drunk in the spirit. He was on the floor and refreshed, and I was refreshed, and we were all refreshed and revived. So I want to encourage when you come, don't just come to receive. Come to give to somebody. Encourage someone. Bless someone. Serve someone. And as you do that, it's the will of God, and God will work through you. Amen. Come on, we're here to serve one another. Imagine everybody serving one another. Imagine everyone blessing each other, loving each other. And people walk into him and say, wow, what's going on in here? These guys are all speaking the same language and doing the same thing. There's got to be something special in here. It's called unity. We all agree on it. God commands his blessing where there's unity. If we can't agree on it and surrender into it, there'll never be the blessing of God in here. Sorry, I'm a bit off key here. Okay, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's what I'm speaking on this morning. Temptation gets a bad name, doesn't it? Temptation. Ooh, is it just me? You hear the word temptation as a kid, you think it's terrible and it's evil, and it does lead to evil. But you know, I think it gets a bad name. I think we all kind of stay away from temptation, which is right, but I think it gets a bad name. And actually, we don't serve a bad God. We serve a good God who uses temptation for good. Okay, so I want to encourage you this morning. When you listen to this, God does not condemn us. He knows we'll all be tempted. Jesus himself was tempted. 
Therefore, you too will be tempted. We will never get rid of temptation. All the days of your life, you will be tempted to do something at some point that is not helpful for you and helpful for other people. So, but I believe God wants us to grow in temptation. Not grow in temptation, but grow, right, within that, inside of the temptation. Okay? So don't see temptation as a negative. See it as an opportunity to grow. Wow. If I am being tempted by an evil one, maybe there's something better inside of you that's trying to rob that growing in you. So see it as a positive rather than a negative. So what does God want us to grow in? Galatians 5, 22 to 23 gives the qualities of what God, if you're a believer, and we'll touch on this later, if you're not a believer, if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you might not fully understand this. But So maybe later you can have an opportunity to do that, to receive Jesus as your Savior. So he wants us to grow in something. What does he want us to grow in? Love. Okay, that's the essence of who we are as God's made us. He's made us in his, in his image and he is love. And he wants us to grow in love. And we do that through the gift of the Holy Spirit in us, us reading the Bible, knowing what to do, and the Spirit in us leading us in love. So we grow in love. We grow in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So we're all called to grow in love. The temptation is to grow in the opposite of these. Okay, so you are going to be tempted to deny these fruits and not grow in them. So love, you know that person who irritates you, who did the thing that you perceived as wrong and you begin to hate them, you have an option to say, do you know what, I'm going to forgive them and love them or am I going to grow in hate, take on offense, ooh, that church, ooh, they are. do you understand what I'm saying? You will all be tempted at some point to grow in the opposite so you can grow in hate, in joy, in sorrow. Where's joy going to come from? When you're going through difficulty, when you're going through, you know, loss or grief, God can give a joy that's deeper than all them circumstances. Why am I full of joy? Why has God given me a joy? Because I lost my father and I grieved for 12 years. 11 years carrying grief. And then when I came to Christ, he healed me at death and he removed the grief out of me and he filled me with a joy. Now I have to learn to grow in that joy even when I go through difficulties. I hang on to God's promise. I hang on to his word and I say, well, I'm going to be joyful even though I go through difficulties. So we have a choice. Grow in joy. Grow in peace. In chaos and confusion. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it isn't, you say, God, I want to grow in peace. So circumstances all of a sudden are chaotic and confusing. You're like, God, where are you? Circumstances have changed, but God hasn't. Circumstances around you are chaotic and confusion, confusing, but God hasn't changed because he doesn't change. So God says, come to me, and we'll show you how to do that in a minute, and draw from me so I can grow you in this fruit of peace in confusion and chaos. Making sense. So don't, if you want a peace, you pray for peace. Just watch what comes. Patience. You've got two kids. Two girls. Similar age. Help. 
told you not to do that. Do that. Do this. Do that. Do that. Mom, Dad. Mom, what did you do? Forced to wait, and then you get angry because it isn't happening your way. What's what's happening? Choice to grow in patience. <laughs> Come on, I want my way. Uh, look, let's read the Bible, right? Let's look at the, let's look at Joseph. Let's look at all the all the characters in the Bible. How many of them have to go through character building before God gives them what He wants? All right, Let, let's be honest. Okay, in the Western world, we think Jesus is this thing. We hold up our hands, and He's going to sort everything out. No, He's into changing you and transforming you and renewing you, and making more like Him, so you can be effective in this world, so you can testify about what He's done in your life, and you can be a witness. In this world. And some of you are thinking, I don't even know what to talk about Jesus in this world. I don't even tell anybody. Well, God can do that. God can take a shy man who's not afraid to tell anybody about Jesus. I'm sure he can take you and give you power and authority to testify about the goodness of God. And we'll go through that another week. <laughs> okay, faithfulness. When you feel like being unfaithful. I think that's one for the church, isn't it? Uh, let's be honest, I've had weeks where I haven't wanted to come to church because there's something inside of me that's not happy or done. And I've got to be, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to grow in love? I'm going to commit myself to these people. Am I going to lay my life down for these people? Am I going to serve them week in, week out? What's that? Faithfulness. God wants to grow you in faithfulness when you feel like being unfaithful. And there are many opportunities we can be tempted in. Integrity. When you have opportunity to be dishonest. We're all tempted. Perseverance. We have to reject the opportunity to give up. So them are the fruits that God wants us to grow in. Are you with me? So how does temptation work? Is there a devil that's outside of you dropping things on you? And, you know, is he a big scary thing with a fork? And what does he look like? What does he look like? Well, let me tell you where temptation comes from. It talks in the book of James. Temptation comes from within. It comes from your desire. It's your desire that is there. It's sin in us that wants to respond. So first of all, it's the desire inside of you that you are tempted. Don't blame your neighbor. Don't blame your circumstances. Don't even blame the devil. Blame the desire inside of you that wants to go for an easy option, wants to quit, wants to get out, wants the comfort zone. That inside of you is the desire that's there. We are all fallen. We were all broken. We've been, we've received, we've received from Satan the fall. We're all broken. So we all have a weakness inside of us that can be tempted. Are you with me? It always starts in your mind, not in circumstances. See, this puts the responsibility on us. Don't blame anybody else for your walk. The Bible says, you know, follow God out of fear and trembling. If your, your walk is about your relationship with God, nobody else. If I get before God and say, God says, what did you do with what I gave you? I say, well, actually, that church, right? Let me, let's just have a chat, God. Do you know that church? Do you know the worship? I didn't like it. Or the Bible, how they taught it? I didn't like it. Do you think God's going to be interested in, you know, blaming somebody else? Or is he going to be looking at you and thinking, what did you do with what I gave you? Desire inside. Then what happens? It turns into a doubt. In the beginning, Adam had a desire for something. And then he doubted God. He questioned God. Did God really say that? 
it starts inside, it turns into doubt. You know, you think, well, I'm not sure if that's, is that, that'll be okay. I'll be all right if I go with those people and do those things. That's okay. I'll be dishonest. I'm okay. That's okay once. You begin to doubt it. Then you're deceived and you go, you made the decision. Yeah, that's okay to do that. We kid ourselves. And then the last thing, disobedience. We do the act. We do what we've been deceived and we do it. Are you still with me? So how does it work? It works inside of you. Desire, doubt, deception, and then disobedience. Sin. You act upon the sin. It gives birth to wrong behavior, the wrong fruit rather than the right fruit. So how do we overcome? Do you believe we can overcome? We can. We can overcome in God temptation. We can be victorious. So the first thing I'm going to say, for order, for no, in order for you to overcome, you first got to refuse to be intimidated by it. I'm not being intimidated by it anymore. There's some great stories in the Bible where people, God has a plan for their life, and there's scary characters. Goliath with David. He could have gone, no, I'm refusing to do that today, God, because we're intimidated. This big guy gets up every day and intimidates God's people. It was God had a promise for his people, but they refused to go and fight because they hadn't trusted God. They doubted God's goodness. They doubted God's promise, and Goliath intimidated them every day. You know, we've got to refuse to be intimidated by sin. Because I'm not being, I am not being intimidated by sin. I am not being tempted, and I refuse to be intimidated. Let's read what Martin Luther King says. You can't stop the birds from flying over your head. Have you heard this one, somebody? You can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop it from building a nest in your hair. Thank God I'm bald. Praise God, boldness has an advantage in the kingdom of God. Stop! I knew there was something. I knew God had anointed me with a smooth head for a reason. Stops birds building nests in your hair. You know, it's in your mind. We've got to refuse it to be in our mind. We've got to say, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to listen to that negativity. I'm not going to listen to that doubt. I'm not going to take on that unworthiness. I'm not going to listen to it anymore. I refuse it in the name of Jesus Christ. God has given you authority. He's given you authority to refuse it in your life, to stand up to the temptation of putting yourself down. I mean, we could talk all day about worth and value and what we've taken on, what the world has put on us and how it's molded and shaped us. We've got to be renewed by the power of God. We've got to be transformed by the word and the spirit of God that revives us and refreshes and renews us. He redeems us by the power of the gospel. That's what we're here for. But we've got to refuse the old. We've got to say, I'm not listening to that anymore. I'm not listening to that anymore. You're not intimidating me anymore. You might, you might make out that, that the shame and the guilt is going to stop me in getting into God's fullness. But I'm not going to listen to that anymore because God's paid for it. So you've got to refuse to be intimidated. How much do we want to talk? Do we want to get intimate? Are we okay this morning? You know, lust... Can we talk about that? You know, God has given us the ability to be attracted to one another. Amen? It's a good thing. Otherwise, we'd have no babies. Right? It's a gift from God to be attracted. So if I would never lusted for Sarah, I would never have been attracted to her, and we wouldn't have kids. The problem with that is, that doesn't go away once you get married. 
You don't just flick a switch and go, ooh, God's desire. Well, I still have that desire for to be loved. I still have the desire to be intimate, okay? But the problem with that is we can be tempted then to look for that other places if we're not careful, okay? Are you listening to me? But this is what I found, is sometimes your eye can wander, yes? And then you feel bad for your eye wandering. Was it just me? Can I be honest with you? Some of you go, no, not me, I'm a good person. I I don't do that, because I'm sitting next to my wife, and if I nod my head now, I'm in big trouble when I get home. (laughs) All right? I'm in big trouble. Not me, darling. I'd never do that. Come on, let's be honest. We all get tempted. God's designed you to be attracted to people. Now, I'm married now, so I've chosen in my heart to give my heart to one person. I'm in covenant with Sarah. But that doesn't exempt me from being tempted. So I have to then refuse that temptation, all right, and say, I hear that. I know that I'm weak, but I'm committed to the one. I have given my life to the one. If you're not careful, and I I learned this quite a few years ago, that you can sit in guilt and shame because you've looked at things and thought things. And if you're not careful, the devil can keep you there, missing out on the fullness of what he's got for you. He'll keep you from entering the grace because you don't feel good enough to enter the grace because you've looked at things and you feel the shame. But I'm going to say this to you this morning. Temptation is not a sin. Are you hearing that? To be tempted and look at things is not the sin. The sin is to act upon it. So if you were tempted to go a woman, right, and you've taken that thought in and you're enjoying it, that's wrong in your heart. You need to say to God, I'm sorry, I, I, I repent of that and I want to. But if you act on it, that's even worse. Because you're going to have devastation. It's going to hurt people. You're going to hurt here. You're going to hurt family. Kids are going to be affected. Then you've got a whole cycle that needs to be broken in that family. So I want to say this to you this morning, right? God knows we're weak. He knows we'll be tempted, okay? He knows we lust after one another because he's put that in us to be attracted to one another. But we've got to be disciplined to say, I'm not going to be intimidated by that anymore. I'm not going to have the shame and the guilt anymore because Jesus Christ has paid for it. And I'm going to be empowered by God. See, the devil wants to keep it secrets. That's his only weapon. Secrecy. Let me keep you over here feeling bad about that. Turn up each week in church, but really not angry because you keep doing that thing. We can't. Just bring it out into the light. Just be honest. He knows anyway. There's nothing hidden from him. God knows it all. So you've got to refuse to be intimidated. Not to dwell on things that are wrong and act on them, but refuse them. You know, and if you do live like that, find somebody you can talk to. Find somebody who loves you, who trusts you, you can open up to and talk to. I'm struggling with this weakness. Let light into that situation. The devil does not want you to do that. He will put everything on you to keep it secret. But Jesus says, bring it in the light. Walk in the light. That's how you'll grow. So refuse temptation. Sorry, refuse to be intimidated. Are you with me? Remember, we're growing in the fruit, right? God's fruit, not the bad fruit. God wants us to come to him and grow in that fruit. Second thing is this, recognize your pattern of temptation. I, I, I don't know what you're, you know, you'll get tempted in something. You'll have a weakness, but you need to recognize your pattern. Is it when you're tired? 
Is it when you're with certain people? Is it when you're with no one on your own that you're tempted to do the things that you know aren't right, but you just keep getting pulled into it? You have to recognize your pattern and be prepared for it. Peter warns, be alert. The devil is poised to pounce like nothing else to catch you napping. He wants you to just keep going through life and be asleep. But if you wake up and think, in a minute, why do I keep doing this? Why am I not here? Why am I not doing this? What, what is happening? I need to wake up and plan. Right, I keep doing it in that situation. Therefore, I need to plan differently. It's wise to plan and be strategic with your life spiritually to do that. Otherwise, you'll just get, stay in the same routine going round and round and round and round. You know, I, I've done this. I've struggled, I've struggled read the Bible, I've struggled pray, and then you feel guilty because you should be, and I should be doing this, and you get stuck in this private little place, and you feel terrible because, especially when you lead a church, how bad's that? I think I should be in. But he keeps you there in that place until you open up and say, do you know what, God, I, am st- I come to you. I'm struggling. Revive me, renew me. And you talk to people, and you find, actually, other people are struggling as well. Or is it just me? Well, the people are struggling. Why is he so on fire? Why is he doing that? And I'm like, I'm dying on the floor. Is it just me? Come on, can we be honest? But you've got to open up with people and let light in and pray with one another and say, can you pray for me? Right, and then choose to change. I'm not just going to keep over the sorry and I keep doing this. I'm going to choose to change. I want to put something different in my life. Rather than just keep saying, sorry, God, I'm going to put something, I'm going to, plant, I'm going to plan to do that, and I'm going to do it, I'm going to bring change to my life. Especially us men. Church, we need the men. And any men out there? Any men in there that are trapped in your spiritual walk? Come on, are you growing? Are you leading your kids? Are you praying? Are you reading your Bible? Are you struggling? If you're struggling, come and talk. Get somebody to pray with you. Be honest, be open. Let's put a plan in place and let's lead these kids because these kids need leading. Family homes need leading spiritually. Otherwise, your wife will struggle. We won't go there. She will. She might not tell you, but she will. She'll be spiritual dry if the man's not leading the spiritual home. Sorry. I know it. I see it when I don't lead and I see Sarah frustrated. Are you with me? Some of you guys are going, I'm being told off this morning. You need to repent. You need to say sorry to God, come to God and open up your heart and say, okay, God, I'm struggling. Refresh me, revive me. Come and hang around, come and speak to me. We'll do time, we'll do coffee, let's pray together. Let's get the guys together. Are you still with me? (laughs) You're not my friend, but you're with me. Okay, so refuse to be intimidated. Recognize your pattern. That's for you to recognize and request God's help. I mean, this is the best thing that we can do. Request God's help. Psalm 50 verse 15 says, Call on me at all times and I will rescue you and you will then honor me. Jesus understands our weakness. When he was tempted three times, he went to the word of God. He went to God's word because he knew God's word was the best thing that he could fight with. He submitted himself and surrendered himself to God. The best thing you can do is request God's help. So why don't we? Maybe we get embarrassed. 
Maybe we think, well, I know best, I'm all right. Don't need God's help, I'm, I'm okay. I've got circumstances and they're okay. I've got a job, I've got family. I don't need God's help. No, maybe you don't, but maybe some other people might. So when we get tempted in our weakness, the best thing we can do is ask God for help. So when you're in that dark place, when you're in that difficulty, when you're being tempted to do something, whether it's dishonest, whether it's to hate people, whether it's to, you know, um, do something that's, you know, not helpful to people, that's not in the fruit of the Spirit, what are you going to do? Call on God. Say, God, I need you. God, I want you. God, come into this situation. I don't know what to do, but I am asking you. I am calling on you. I'm saying I need you today. Not in my strength, but in your strength. I am weak. I need you. Paul understood this. He finally grasped it when he was asking God to remove his weakness. And he said to him, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient We want to be all strong and powerful. Yeah, God wants to build us, but there's an area of weakness in our lives that God leaves there because he knows if he removes it, we will no longer need him and cry on him. And in his wisdom, he keeps an area of weakness in our lives, so we are continually needing God. He is the source of our soul. He is our spiritual nourishment, and we very quickly move away from him and realize it's not happening. So he says, come back to me. Come to me, or you are weary And I will bring refreshing. I will revive you. Call or request God's help. Hebrews 4, 16. And I really feel I need to touch on this. It says this. Let us have confidence. We could stop there, couldn't we? (laughs) Let us have confidence. And approach God's throne where there is Grace. Now, I don't know if you know what grace. I, I, I tried for many years wondering what grace is, but I've, what I've realized is this grace empowers us. Grace has such a strength and such a power that we, cannot, we can't earn grace. Grace is a gift, it enables us and empowers us to do what God wants us to do. So we can't do it on our own, and God knows that, so He gives us something called grace. So He's saying here, In Hebrews, let us have confidence. Wow, you can come to God. I know there's shame, I know there's guilt, and the devil tries to put it on us to tell you, you're not worthy to come into God's presence. You're not good enough. You've not prayed enough. You've not done enough things to get into God's presence. But God says this, let us, well, Hebrews says it, let us have confidence as we approach God's throne where there is grace. Come in. That's what he says. He says, I'm not, I know you're not worthy. I know you're weak, but come in. Because grace is not earned. The gospel is not earned. Salvation is not earned. If you try and earn it, you will wear yourself out. You will burn yourself out. Grace is given as a gift freely. Through the gift of Jesus Christ, we can enter into grace on a daily basis. So when we request God's help, we're not asking for help because of what we do. We're asking it because what he has already done. Amen? It's free. And it's freeing. When you start to get into your mind and try and wrestle, can I get in? Can I know God's goodness? Can I go his mercy? Can I know his grace? Can he empower me? Can't me? Little me? Absolutely. You're the number one that's coming in. So he says, come into my presence. So when we request his help, We can't earn his help, 
He just gives it because he loves us. And he wants what's best for you. So come into his presence. So, how do we overcome? Refuse to be intimidated. Recognize your pattern of temptation. Request God's help. Now, if we don't request his help, we won't be able to do it. You just try and do it in your own strength. And you, won't, you, will, not, you will not beat the devil. I'm sorry, you won't. You can try it and try it and try it, but you will not beat. The only person who's beat the devil is Jesus Christ. So when we submit to God, we actually get the same uh, strength and resource that Jesus has when he defeated the devil. So the only way we defeat the devil is in him, not in us. Does that make sense? We can't defeat him in us because we don't know how to do it. But he is the only one who has overcome him so that when we submit to him, he takes us above it, circumstances, situations, and he helps us to see it through his eyes rather than our eyes. Got it? So why don't we think we can come to the throne room of grace? You're not good enough. We're not qualified enough. I haven't read my Bible enough. It's a heart condition of accepting Jesus in our lives, Lord, Savior, surrendering in our weakness and allowing and trusting that he'll bring healing to our hearts, forgiveness to our soul, and renewers and revivers. <laughs> Enter the throne room of grace. So that's overcoming. So let's look at defeating it. Are you ready to defeat some temptation in your life? Are you ready to move on and to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. 2 Timothy 2 verse 22 says this. Run from anything that gives you evil thoughts. Run away from things that give you evil thoughts. Run away from them. Don't entertain them. You can't, you can't beat them by focusing on them. You'll just reinforce them. But stay close to anything that make you want to do right. Find people who are good for you. Find people that are good for you, that will help you, will speak goodness into your life. Don't hang around with people who are going to put you down. Don't hang around with people who are going to lead you into temptation. Stay away from them. Love them, but don't allow your heart to go into them situations because you're not strong enough and you will get taken down that path. But if you refuse that and say, I'm going to run with these people. Are you going to trust, you trust, trust that God is good. You know, when I gave my life to Jesus, I had mates that were playing football. We'd go nightclubs, we were hanging out, we were doing drugs, we were uh, alcohol, we were off our heads, we were doing all this stuff. And I knew, I knew deep down something in me was calling me, God was drawing me to him. And I knew. And when I surrendered my life, I said, okay, God, that's it now. You can have it all. And I knew if I went back home and I hung around with the guys who I hung around with, I was not strong enough to overcome them. I had to run from them. And they said things to me. You've lost the plot. They said things. And I'm like, da 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 Try and pull me back into that group. Pull me back in. And I said, no, I'm not doing it. I refuse to do that anymore. I am not doing it. I'm moving on with my life. You know, and at times I felt stupid. I felt different emotions through that. But you know what? God is good. And I'm glad I did it. Because if I hadn't done it, Another person wouldn't have come into the house and followed me in here. So I had to go first. Don't look at it and think, all these people. No, you have to go first. You have to lead the way. You have to say, I'm not being, te- I'm not being defeated, but I'm going to move away from that. 
1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says this, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. God provides a way out. God gives you a way out. And you can walk in that way out or you can stay where you are. But God will always give you a way out. There's always a way out of your situation. You know, some people, I think, sometimes we sit there and we think, how am I ever going to get out of this? I feel trapped. God says, I've given you a way out. Whatever situation you're in now, if you're in chains, if you feel not good enough, not worthy, God says, I've given you a way out of that. I want you to listen to my word. I want you to listen to good people. Come under my teaching. Trust me and follow. Move away from the things of the past. Don't listen to them anymore. Refuse to be intimidated. And I want you to walk in my ways. I have made a way that you can walk in. Nothing is too powerful for God. Your situation, your circumstances, your, your doubts, your sin is not too strong for God. Dog, dog, God. Sorry if I've called you that. God has defeated it through Jesus Christ. So what do we do? Refocus your attention on something else. You know, we're never told in the Bible to resist temptation. We're told to resist the devil. Focusing on the sin all the time. I struggle with depression. And I realized when I gave my heart to Jesus, how much I just focused on depression. Trying to focus on, sort it out, get out of it. Can I get out of this, this depression? How do I solve it? And it just went round and round and round in my mind because I, I struggled to focus. I just kept focusing, focusing. When I came to Jesus, he showed me that I could focus on something else. He showed me his promise. And I focused on his promise rather than on the past. And, I, I, and it, my, my focus shifted to the future. You know, there's a story about Lot in the Bible. If we know the, the story, um, Abraham, Lot, and his wife are in um, Sodom and Gomorrah. And they end up in captivity. And it's like they can't get out of this situation. So Abraham goes back and gets them. He rescues them. He brings them out. And on the way back out, they're walking out. And they say, don't loop back. Don't loop back. And as his wife looks back, it says she turned into a pillar of salt. She was dead. That's a bit extreme, isn't it? That's a bit extreme, but it's an illustration of something for us. If you keep looking back or focusing on the things of the past, it won't give you life. It'll just kill you. But if you focus on the promise and on God and what he says, it will refocus you, re-energize you, give you a hope, give you a future. That's what he wants for you. So we have to refocus. Don't resist it, but learn to almost re-channel it into something else. You know you people who, who, who always got the remote control at home? Was it just me? Do you fight over the remote control? Some of you are not bothered. not bothered about TV. But in our house, there's, there's two kids and me and my wife, right? One TV. We all want a cha- I want that channel on. I want that channel on, right? This is what you have to do with God. It's simple. This is what you do. You just take the remote control for yourself and you say, right, I'm changing the channel. That's what you do with sin. You say, I'm not going to focus on that picture anymore. I've seen that picture. I know what it does to me. It's not how I'm going to switch the channel. I'm going to focus on that picture. God's creating a new screen for me, a new future. I'm going to flick, you know, just just do it. Change now. There you go. Oh, I've changed. There we go. It's called repentance. It's choice. You keep focusing on that, on the sin. It won't bring life to you. You'll just become like a pillar of salt. And, you know, ask those who are close to you if you're giving life to them. They'll tell you. Resist the devil 
So refocus your attention. David says this in Psalm 119, verse 37. Keep me from paying attention to what is worthless. How good's that? Keep me. So he's not doing it in his own strength. He's asking God, God, I submit to you. Can you keep me from paying attention to what is worthless? How many of us focus on things that are not good? How many of us focus on our own inadequacy that we're not good enough? Come on. You're focusing on it. Not good enough. What that does is actually, I don't want to go into it too much, that's actually telling God that how he's made you isn't good enough because you're focusing on other people. But actually you're saying to God, I'm not good enough. How you've made me isn't good enough, God. So what do we do with that? We repent. We say, sorry, I submit to God. God, I'm sorry for looking at my inadequacy. Help me not to pay attention to it anymore. But may my eyes be fixed on you. In the morning, in the evening, let my eyes not be focused on anything that is worthless. Because it won't bring life to you. Find out what's good in you. Begin to give thanks for it. Find out what's good in somebody else. Thank God for what's good in them. And it'll begin to bring life to you. Keep me from paying attention to what is worthless. Next one. Resist the devil. James 4, verse 7 says, resist the devil. It says, actually, submit to God. Submit to God. Go to God first. Submit to him. Resist the devil, and he will flee. I learned a, I learned a, a word in, when I was in Uganda. I used to play with the kids, and I, I, I used to say, come here, then go away. And, I used, and the word was jangawano, means come here. And the other word was this, to go away, faluma. And they used to come to me and I go, jangawano, jangawano, jangawano. And I go, faluma. And they go, run off, right? And I was playing with them, right? I wasn't tormenting them. But they found it hilarious and the Ugandans used to laugh at me because I could say faluma, right? This is what we've got to do with the devil. Submit to God and say faluma. Faluma. Get out of my life. Do you know who I am? Faluma. Do you know who I am? I'm a child of God. Do you know who I am? I'm not listening to this pathetic, wasted stuff anymore. Faluma out of my mind. I'm listening to the promise. I'm listening to the word. Faluma. Get off. Dust. Faluma. So you've got to resist it. How do you resist it? Let's be honest, right? If you become a believer, you're now born into this world. You're born into the enemy's territory. Can we say that? You're not liked by the enemy because you've invaded his space. He's lost territory, you. So he doesn't want you to take any more territory. He doesn't want you to realize who you are and what authority you've been given and what you can do in this world. He definitely doesn't want you to know that, but he also doesn't want you to help get anybody else saved. So you're now in enemy territory. So we've got to wake up, yeah? So how do we fight this? Paul understood that it was about warfare. He knew there was a battle over your life. He knew he had to teach the people, so he gave them some army. He gave them armor to understand that they're in a battle. So this is what you do to resist the devil. You first and foremost, you put on your helmet of salvation, baby. You get it on. You wear it. You shine it up. You declare it in the name of Jesus. I am saved. And the devil tells you you're not. You're not good enough. You're not going to the kingdom of God. You're not good enough. You keep sinning. 
He says, get on that helmet of salvation. Put it on. Put it on. It fits you. You put it on and declare in the name of Jesus, I am saved. And that salvation isn't just, I put my hand up and I know Jesus. It's a continually daily thing where he's renewing you and redeeming you and giving back to you. So your mind is the weakest place on this journey. It's the most vulnerable thing that he knows he can attack. So God gives you some armor. He gives you his word. He gives you his word. I promise never to leave you. You are mine. I paid for you. My blood is sufficient for you. I have washed you once and for all. Stop going round the thing again. Stop going round again. I've washed you and forgiven you once and for all. Put on the helmet of salvation. If you don't say yes to God first, you won't be able to do this. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus in your life if you're saved. Jesus offers forgiveness of sin. He offers a new start. And you can know that start today. And if you're here and you don't know that, I just want to pray right now. As a people, let's pray. You can accept Jesus in your heart. You can accept forgiveness of sin. But you also need to repent and say, I'm not going to live like that anymore. I'm going to live for Jesus. And if you're here in this room, I'm going to pray for you. You pray with me. Let's pray together. Father God, forgive me of my past. I receive your forgiveness. I thank you for the cross. I thank you that you died for my sins. Today, I choose to walk away from my old life and walk into the new. In Jesus' name, amen. So that's the helmet of salvation. And then the second thing you need, this is what Jesus did. The word of God. Oh, did Jesus say that as well? So the word of God. How do you know you're saved? Somebody giving you a message, the word. How do you know you're forgiven? By reading the Bible and understand God offers forgiveness of sin. How do you know you've been made right? Well, the Bible tells us the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. You're only going to know that by reading this word. By washing yourself, cleansing yourself in the word. That's what the word does. It washes through you. It renews you. It washes your mind from the past. It begins to restore you, to cleanse you, to make you everything that God's made you. But the devil will come and say, you're not good enough. And you need to get that word like a sword in your hand and you need to hold it as though you're in enemy territory and say, I'm not growing in that hatred anymore. Look what I have in my hand. It's probably not a great illustration for growing love. But he gave it an illustration because he needed to know there's a fight on for your life. There's a fight for goodness. There's a fight for justice. There's a fight for love in your family. There's a fight in homes. There's a fight for your marriage. There's a fight in relationships. He wants to destroy them. He wants to take them out. But you need to get that word. And you need to hold on to it. Like Jesus did. When he said, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus with the word said, man does not live by bread alone but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What's that about? It's about not putting other things first, but putting God first in our lives. When we submit to God, when we submit to his word, we have the greatest authority to walk in, the power to overcome, the power to defeat the enemy, the power to walk in everything that God's got for us. And you say, ah, there's too much to learn in the Bible. Just do this, one verse a week. One verse. Come on, let's commit to one verse. One word. 
Jesus, a week. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus died for me. Jesus forgives me. And just confess that and allow it to wash you and cleanse you. The last one, realize your vulnerability. It talks about if you think you stand, be careful that you don't fall. We think we can do it in our own strength. We can't. It all comes from the grace of God. We must recognize our vulnerability, that we need one another. We need to confess our sins to one another. We can't walk this alone. So, to finish, remember, God always gives you a way out. Whatever you face, now, tomorrow, the next week, your God gives you a way out. He wants you to walk in it, to walk in the fruit. There's a story in the book of Esther. And you know, Esther has an opportunity to go before the king, the most powerful person in the nation. And there's a guy called Mordecai, 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 however you say it. And he, he is related to Esther. And she gets positioned between you've got the king, you've got Esther, and then you've got Mordecai. And then you've got the Jewish people who are going to get wiped out. They're in exile, but there's an evil man who wants to wipe them out. So he gets to the king and the king agrees to wipe them out, to destroy them to destroy the people of God, to destroy the chosen people. But Esther is positioned in a place. She has an opportunity to do something. And she nearly says, I can't do this. And Mordecai stands up and says, look, if you don't do this, deliverance will come from somewhere else. So she does something about it. But the problem is, the king's already ordered the decree to kill the Jews. It's already out there. It's been sent. The, the, the signet ring has been stamped and it's been sent out. Go and kill the Jews. It's already gone. And he said that I cannot take it back. Once something has been given, the law is given and it cannot be taken back. And Esther has the opportunity to go into that throne room of grace. And she enters in and the king could kill her, but he puts out the scepter, which means she's accepted. And says, what do you want? She says, you're my people going to kill. Will you do something? Will you stop them? And he says, I cannot do that, but this is what I can do. I can order a new decree. A decree that will not stop that, but this is what it means. This is what they can do. And the decree said this. All the Jewish people, They can now protect themselves. They can now stand up for themselves. They can fight against the enemy that tries to take them out. So the new law was issued and sent out so they could defend themselves. Here's the deal, church. The law was given in in our world. God gave us the law and we all fall short of it, amen? We all fall short of loving each other. We all mess up. And that's why he sent Jesus. He sent a new decree. He sent a new, a new law into the land that would fulfill the old law, which none of us fulfilled, but he would fulfill the new law so that we could all be forgiven and we can enter into the throne room of grace, forgiveness of sin, healing, and have a new start. But you know, 
we still live in this world. We still operate in a world where people operate by the law. They are nasty to each other. We kill each other in what we say sometimes. But as a people of God, we've been given a new law. We've been given a new decree, a decree of grace, a decree of love. So we forgive one another, we love one another, and we operate in that. So I think we've got something to be thankful for. His name's Jesus. And how do we operate in that? We give our lives to Jesus. We walk with Jesus. He gives us the grace to overcome. When the enemy tries to take us out, we are overcomers. We will defeat the enemy. God has the victory and we're to stand above it, rise above it. If we've got sin, let's confess our sins to one another. There's no condemnation in God. He doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to move on and grow in everything he's got for you. So let's stand. I'm aware I've gone on. But I'm going to pray and allow God to speak to your heart. And invite the band up. Maybe, maybe you've not been in freedom. Maybe there's been some things that have held you there and some guilt and shame. Look, God knows. Jesus paid for your shame on the cross. He was shamed. He was shamed for you. Allow him yourself to be forgiven allow yourself to allow his precious blood for the forgiveness of sin to wash you I just feel to say the blood is enough we doubt the blood but the blood is enough the blood is enough it's enough so just let's open our hearts Father we pray for people in here we thank you for your blood we thank you for the forgiveness of sin Father, we pray that by your word and by your spirit, you would wash us and cleanse us. The things that we've done wrong, you would help us to move on from. And you would breathe new life into the bones and into the body and the soul of every person in this room. In Jesus' name. Father, help us. Give us the strength. Give us the grace to move on. In the name of Jesus.